This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Wondery Plus friends. Welcome to July's premium bonus episode of Sitting Down with Dr. Dan. Our producer and twin mom, Laura, is back with us and we're answering four new listener questions on this episode. We love all the questions we get from you. We get so many wonderful questions. People are DMing us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you also can email us at podcast at drdanpeters.com. Anytime you have a question, we will read it. Laura, hello. Hi, Dr. Dan. I'm so excited about our questions today. We cover a wide range of topics. But before we begin, I want to mention that this bonus episode drops on Tuesday, July 26th. And that date happens to be, uh, appropriately, the 32nd anniversary of the signing of the ADA, which is the Americans with Disabilities Act. And of course, July is also Disability Pride Month. So I wanted to just put a plug in. If you've not listened to two of our recent episodes that, you know, really kind of spark conversations around these important topics concerning disability, ability, inclusion, and more, um, take a look at our regular episodes. And we have one with guest Mindy Henderson and um, another episode with Mickey Rowe. And both of them are just so terrific. They each have new books and um, I couldn't think of better listens for Disability Pride Month. Both so inspirational, such inspirational people. Exactly. So um, with that being said, I did put out a call for information. I did use the hashtag for Disability Pride Month. And so question number one is, Dr. Dan, what do you think about therapy dogs? Can they really help children with disabilities, physical and or mental? Yes, they can. And I've uh, seen a lot of success with therapy dogs over the years for um, anxiety, for panic attack, for Tourette's, um, uh, as companions uh, for people with mobility issues. And, you know, the therapeutic aspects of animals have been researched over and over and over again. If you know you put an animal in senior uh, facilities or hospitals, there is a healing aspect of the connection between animal and human, uh, particularly those that are trained to mm-hmm. uh, to interact in a certain way. And um, I have seen it change lives. You know, I think I have to mention these days we see lots of dogs. Um, in lots of different places, and there's different names for these animals, you know, service animals, uh, companion animals. And so I fe- I think th- people have been confused with the different layers of um, which animals are legitimate and which animals are being used as a companion as opposed to a therapeutic intervention. Mm-hmm. 
they all can be helpful. I just think we have to be specific about if we're using an animal as a therapy dog, these dogs are specifically trained, months of training by specific specialists. And based on the area of disability that they're trained for, these dogs are taught to interact in certain ways and respond in different ways to their owners. So that's long end of it, but the short answer is yes, it can be very helpful. That's great. And actually, you know, it's sparking a few things I want to mention. Um, so I have a former client in my book publishing world who has Usher syndrome and um, she has a dog that she relies on. Um, Usher syndrome is pr- basically progressive blindness and deafness. I think I'm mm. not a doctor. So that's me sort of doing the, the, the lay man or lay woman's terms. Um, and then I also know people that are sort of doing therapy dog light. And by that, I mean, or service dog light, which is they've researched a dog that would be good for their family, for their child who's on the autism spectrum. So Mm -hmm. that's not super prescriptive, you know, coming from a medical team, but knowing what breeds might work better um, with, you know, just people's daily challenges. And then Mm -hmm. personally, I'd like to just mention that we have a border terrier and our son, as you know, has special needs. um, And in fact, Tourette syndrome, among other diagnoses. And um, our dog in the description says that, you know, when specifically trained, this breed is great as a therapy dog. So, you know, Mm. we didn't go that route, but Mm -hmm. we do see that our little guy responds really well to our son with special needs and can adjust his relationship accordingly. Um, And then my last little thing I'm going to chuckle is because I think having known you for many years, you're a cat person, (laughs) Dr. Mm -hmm. Dan. So I want to be fair. Um, I think there is magic in animals. So if you'd like to put in a little plug for cats, we don't want to. I was actually, you just triggered that when you were talking about (laughs) your own family, I was thinking, so to specify, it's real funny to hear you. It's funny to hear you say, I'm a cat person. So I had to think about that. Okay, we have two cats now. Am I a cat person? I think I've become a cat person as a result of uh, cycling through um, our last wonderful dog passing. And here's the the reason. With our first of two cats came to us um, at a request from one of our kids through a PowerPoint uh, presentation. I'm allergic to cats, which is why for years we've never had cats. Uh, we had to give away our cats when I was a kid because of that. Aww. And um, so our uh, one of our kids did a presentation on um, hypoallergenic cats. And so we the first one we had have, it, she's amazing. She's beautiful. And um, this particular child refers to the cat as the the therapy, the therapy animal. Oh, so I it was very, it. you know, it was not, it was, it was, partially meant as that when uh this cat came into our family and it is a hundred percent served that purpose over the years to be a just an amazing connection calming force and really have a therapeutic impact on um, not only this one child but our entire family we're so lucky to have these animals in our yeah. lives and as part of our families. And and speaking of even our larger podcast family, you know, for our listeners that are also murderinos, you all yes. are, you know, always hearing about Karen and George's pets. And, um, you know, there, there is like that thread through a lot of our shows and hosts that just appreciating animals yes. and welcoming them into yes. our family. Um, yes. So I love yes. this question. And then we ended up with a hairless cat and that's a whole nother 
That's a whole nother <laughs> world and uh, podcast on the Sphinx yes. Cat, the amazing adventures of Sphinx Cats. Yes. we. I think this is, we're going to be, we might have to post some pictures of <laughs> yeah, that cat. We I've could seen do that. that cat. Yeah, we could that do might that. be cool for our feed. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag Sphinx Cat. So. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, so this second question, this one came in um, on email and they asked no names or email addresses mentioned, please. Um, and the question is, how do I talk to my middle school daughter about the abortion ban? And I know you <laughs> just recorded um, an episode where this topic came up or the abortion yes. topic. So this is we a will be heavy releasing. One. We will be releasing soon. This is, of course, this is a uh, definitely a heavy one. Um, so big picture, when we when there are big issues to talk about with our kids of any age and we really want to be mindful of the age of the mind and spirit that we're talking to, it's often best to lead with a question as opposed to with our own information, our own perhaps energy or angst around many of the topic, many of the things that are going on in our world today. And so I would suggest something like the first question is, Hey, wondering if you heard about what happened with the uh, Supreme Court and the Rovers Wade abortion law uh, protection. Now, granted, this has been going on for a few weeks, so likely they have. So I'm just taking it from the top here. Right. Then listening. And you're trying to get a sense of how much information might she know, he or she know, how much is, in this case, she willing to. Is she, is she speaking with you about it? Does she seem open or does she seem closed? And I think we have to be very sensitive to some of this information is very, can be very emotionally overwhelming and can create a lot of fear. And so we need to dole it out, I think, in very specific and mindful doses. Mm -hmm. So for example, if your daughter is not saying much, say, well, um, here is a little bit about what happened what this means. And, um, I want you to know that you can talk to me about this at any time, uh, depending on, again, the response. If you think you can talk more, this is also, we, we want to decrease anxiety and fear. So we want to educate, but we also want to, you know, talk about what this means, but also what it doesn't mean and what other options are and what state we live in. It also can lead to a very healthy and appropriate for this developmental time talk about contraceptions, contraceptive options, and, you know, the broader talk about intimacy, sexual intimacy, sexual exploration. Mm -hmm. So I feel it's just about with all of these things, be real but remember, you need it to be about your child and where they are more than your own place and where you are and the the intensity and emotion that you would understandably might be feeling about this. And you tell that's, me what do, what do you, I mean? Yeah, you, I think that's a, really mother, helpful. You know, daughter, yeah, as a mom, you know, with a um, I have a daughter in her late teens, and you know what struck me about this question was the middle school because that mm -hmm. is such a formative, yeah, difficult growth filled time. And this topic is, you know, it's a really hot topic in terms of just, you know, the emotions flare up around it from all sides of the table. And um, so I think your reminder, which is, 
you know, from day one since I've known you until day I don't know what we're on, which is to be age appropriate and to remember your child has to kind of help lead that discussion. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have a 19 year old, so she sort of came to me in a way that felt um, like we were peers and, right. you know, that we were sort of on the same page in, in many ways around it. But also she's bringing to the discussion things that a 19 year old wants to talk about, you know, as opposed to someone who's already had mm-hmm. kids and um, has sort of seen a lot of things in my lifetime that are flipped upside down. And mm-hmm. so I think when you plug that into the middle school mindset, it is to remember that that particular discussion is mm-hmm. less about you and more about your child because you can yeah. save, you know, the ranting and raving or crying or even feeling terrorized for your friends and your other adult um, family members, but that mm-hmm. a middle school child really needs your guidance and is looking to you to feel safe and um, to you yes. know have sort of put a pin on the map, like how how is this? What's this going to look like as I get older? And to know, mm-hmm. okay, I can go to mom or dad mm-hmm. and talk about this. So just bringing it back to kind of those basic fundamental. Mm-hmm. Uh, signposts, you know, it's like, it's about your child. Don't impose too much, let them lead. And as you've always said, especially during um, events that can be scary for, you know, these yeah. young developing minds that let them lead because they're going to ask questions that they need answered. So, exactly. And, you know, I think a um, related sidebar, I just want to, this is very, um, very new and um, something I wasn't expecting Right after um, Roe vs. Wade was overturned, I got a check-in email from a client. I was going to, uh, the parents of a college-age client who we were going to have a session with the following week. And the the email said, hey, just heads up, um, we're having lots of discussions about vasectomies. And huh. it totally caught me off guard that a 20-year-old would be talking about a vasectomy and so we had that really interesting um, conversation, and then an- it came up with another twenty-year-old client of mine. And then I saw in the news headlines about droves of men seeking vasectomies. And so it's just that this is such this this decision to overturn Roe vs. Wade is causing a ripple effect and questioning and protecting and getting ahead of things in many, many ways related to um, choice, body of choice, um, trying to protect from being in a situation where um, one would not have choices, being proactive, mm-hmm. and um, impacting males as well. That is intense. I'm kind of sitting yeah. here, and I'm not saying and, in the same yeah. way. And I'm not, and I'm not. I actually, I'm not comparing yeah. the male experience to what this means no, for the female experience in any way, shape, or form. Um, I just was caught off guard that this was also part of the conversation or the ripple effect for this decision. Again, I'm just saying, same word. That's really intense because you've had you know you a career built on this practice and dealing with clients, and um, you said it perfectly. The ripple effect. Mm-hmm. of this decision and um right yeah it's affecting everyone mm-hmm. and certainly um wow i'm just yeah <laughs> that's exactly. kind of yeah that is just really intense and good for you for kind of 
being able to be that safe place for those discussions and also for the parents, you know, to feel like this is a real issue for our child and our young adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to be able to kind of explore that. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting yeah. here like, wow. And also just these, these young kiddos, these young adults, I mean, they're really having to navigate a lot of intense and Oh. I'm just going to say like, yeah. I can't think of a better word, but like these grown up serious issues, you know, I mean, like they all are just coming out they of are. not they even are. the pandemic. It's not even over yet. And no, and, and the bind know, just, is, yeah, the bind is, is these young people having to navigate things that we didn't, but also having to navigate them with brains that are still forming, like making adult decisions while they're still changing, not only psychologically, but physiologically, neurologically. And it's just, it's a tough, it's a tough balance. It is. They're incredible. I mean, I I feel like I'm constantly applauding Mm -hmm. these young adults who are growing up with a lot of things that we have never experienced. Mm. And, you know, they're still smiling and putting one foot in front of the other, but Last time I'll say it, but intense. I kind of, I'm hoping the listeners are feeling this because this is real. This is happening right right now. And, you know, we have to face it head on. These are discussions and journeys that we're, you know, it's a marathon. Yeah, it is. And, and and to your point, there are a lot of resilient kids out there who are putting one foot in the other smiling. And there are, as we've talked about, lots of kids that are really, really struggling and overwhelmed and disillusioned and feeling hopeless and helpless. So we're seeing all of it. And it's just the stuff just keeps on coming. You know, I know it's almost like I see my kids vacillate between being very energized, activated, and um, fired up to Mm -hmm. just kind of shrugging and becoming numb to everything that just keeps coming on a weekend, month, in and out basis. Sadly, I can relate. I feel like there is a fatigue that mm-hmm. sometimes can be sort of pushed aside and then it kind of comes back again with just the load that they're all carrying. And so yeah. thank goodness for our show, for your practice and your work and the work of therapists, mental health professionals, and you know people that are, as adults and children, we can all turn to for support because there really is, we know it factually, a mental health crisis. And yeah. um, it was already there. It's now intensified because exactly. of what we're living through, but it is, I think making more people seek out help, Yeah, uh, whether it's through listening to a show, reading books, starting therapy, using an app, you name it. So let's go on to our next question, which um, totally shifts gears. Question number three, this came uh, from a DM on Instagram. My high school teen is not having fun this summer. He's working a lot, getting ready for his first year of college. How can we help as his parents, or do we just let him figure things out on his own? He just doesn't seem his happy self. Mm. Kind of goes along with what we're saying. Yeah, like the the fun is over. It's time to grow up a little bit, and maybe that's that's how I read it. I don't know what you're getting. Yeah, from the I question. think there can be. There's a lot of different ways to go with this question. Um, on the one hand, I I can imagine a lot of parents go, wow, I, I, I wish my uh, teen rising college student was working really hard. <laughs> like, where, <laughs> Where's the work ethic? Where's the motivation? Where's the, uh, like, what's up with all this entitlement stuff going on? So on the one hand, I'm, kudos. So, you know, you have a hardworking 
person. I think the concern sounds like is he's not really seeming like himself. He's not having fun and there's a lot of life to live. Um, I think I would start with trying to have a conversation. You know, uh, I noticed you're working really hard. Um, is this how you want to be spending your summer? Um, is there, are there other things you want to do trying to get a sense of what's going on with friendships if possible? And of course you got to be delicate because these are emerging adults who are getting ready to go. Um, a lot of times the before leaving is very disharmonious. It's kind of like that there only can be, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of angst. There's a lot of emotions. A lot of times people can only leave under, um, sort of duress and stress because it's too hard to leave when everything's so wonderful. So I, I, I would just kind of want to get a sense of what might be going on in a, in a, you're a, you're a consultant at this point, you're a guide, which is another part of this quote, good question, which is how much do we like get in there and how much do we let him do it on his own? And I would say it's not an all or none. It's a, a checking in a, Hey, I noticed this. Hey, I'm just wondering if you want to take some time off and do something. Um, I'm wondering, is it, you know, is everything okay? Mm -hmm. are, you, are you wanting to see if your friends more before you go? What are you thinking about college? So it could also be a, just a distraction. It could be, again, stress about leaving. So I would say is, I guess, ultimately, you're slowly letting out the rope as your kids go to junior, senior, and they're getting ready, they're turning 18, that they're going to college. You're slowly letting out the rope for them to be in charge of their own lives. We say take the wheel, literally and figuratively, of their own life. And you don't just want to drop them. And I, I just think of I think of uh, what Dr. Ginsburg, you know, we talk about him so much, Dr. Kenneth Ginsburg. Um, we have two podcasts with him, his latest one, uh, which his book is just at coming out. Um, congratulations, you're having a teen. One of his greatest words of wisdom is there's two bad things to do with your teens. And here's the two bad things one is back off and don't be involved in their life because you think they don't care. And two is to control and micromanage them. And so, of course, like everything, it's like, how do we get in the middle and as they get older, be more of a consultant and guide so they can slowly learn to trust themselves and make their own decisions, not just make decisions based on in line with or in opposition to their parents. That's excellent advice. And I think people do have these stigmas around parenting a teen. and forget it that Dr. Ginsburg, you know, opened my eyes even to some things that I hadn't thought about. And it doesn't mean kind of avoid and hands off. It, mm -hmm. It's sort of like, they just need you in a different way. And so that guiding role, mm -hmm. just so that I'm noticing this, maybe I'm completely misreading it, but, mm -hmm. and then you're kind of leaving that door ajar for another conversation mm -hmm. or planting a little seed. And then suddenly the next week, you're seeing your son has made some time for the beach or is going to a movie with friends and maybe here or there not taking a third or fourth, you know, I don't know what the work situation is, but not saying yes to every work shift and figuring right. out, wait a minute, my parents are right. It's about balance. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of layers of this when I, I love how you kind of took it apart into different pieces because when I first read it, I just thought, okay, sorry, but you have to, you know, you're growing up and summer's not all fun and beaches, but now, you know, upon sort of deeper examination, I realized, you know, sure it could tackle that, but it also 
there are some other layers to it. So, all right, question number four. I'm checking our time. Time for one more. And this one is, uh, I don't know where it came in from. I think this was also an email, actually. Both sets of grandparents in our family always state that they want to spend more time with their grandchildren without us there. But both sets never initiate plans or follow up after suggesting this one-on-one -on -one time. What can we do as parents to help facilitate this? <laughs> so funny. That is. That is. I I love that. I think That's kids cute. spending time with their grandparents without their parents is awesome for all parties involved, right? Parents you get a break. That's what grandparents and, you know, our extra village people are for. Get a break. It's so critical for our kids to have relationships with other people besides us parents to get other perspectives, um, to have other sorts of conversations, other sorts of go-to people for different things. And, um, it might be that, of course, kids usually aren't the ones until they're much older to make any plans on their own. And for whatever reason, grandparents aren't taking the initiative, right? So they might be busy. They might have some other aging issues. They, like, who knows? What I would say is facilitate. I would totally go for facilitation unless you're concerned about those those relationships. So for example, um, you know, related to the show, we've, um, I've written some pieces for some articles about narcissistic grandparents, right? So like, if you have a grandparent that you don't feel that your child is safe with, or that might experience some emotional volatility, some emotional abuse, like shame, not good stuff, stuff that you've experienced with these parents. Um, yeah, in those cases, you are not facilitating. You are uh, protecting and kind of dis detracting, and if you might not leave them alone. But that is fortunately more of a minority situation than a majority situation. So I would say facilitate, facilitate, facilitate. What do you think, Laura? I, I agree. I'm nodding my head so much that my headphones yeah. are about to yeah. fly <laughs> off. But yes, I was actually sitting here thinking... Um, you know, this question doesn't say the ages, but it's clear that it is, you know, young enough kiddos that yeah. it's not coming, you know, from the grandkids to sort of make these plans happen. And I was thinking, um, what about making it like a family calendar? You know, I don't know, again, if the grandparents are media savvy, you could even go and do one of these like shared docs. Like let's, here's sort of some dates and times on, on a spreadsheet or a Google calendar or something that look good. Here's when they have baseball practice or, you know, their camp ends. And mm -hmm. for that's for summer. It feels like it's easier to maybe get a little routine going because then when school starts again, you are dealing with madness and probably lots of schedules and moving parts and it's not as easy, but I feel like summer, I mean, it's almost like maybe this is why this question even came through that whoever wrote it wasn't maybe intentionally thinking this, but I feel like there is time to fill in the summer and what better mm -hmm. way to fill it than if it is sort of a safe nurturing relationship with grandparents. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Just make it happen. This one's interesting also because it says both sets of grandparents. Right, so right. The, the, the silly part of uh, Laura, twin mom, is like, what are these kids like? Yeah. <laughs> are they not, are they like fresh? You know, are they sort of like giving everyone a run for their money and the grandparents are not so sure they want yeah, to have. We really know? want to spend alone time. <laughs> Talk to you later. 
Yeah. <laughs> but in that yeah. case, for anyone listening, if you know, um, and I truly celebrate every child, you know, the ones with high energy, the, the fierce ones, the ones that, um, you know, have their own drum beat they're, yeah. they're listening to is just you can figure it out. So maybe it's not grandkids, plural. Maybe it's a one, a real one-on-one. So not your two or three kids are going with yeah, that, that set could of be grandparents. A lot. That's a good point. Maybe yeah. it's, you know, child A is getting picked up from their sports practice and getting an ice cream cone. Like it doesn't have to be some huge, right. huge thing where they're going to go spend a week with them. Yes. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because speaking of that, you know, I have some friends that their, their parents, so the, the children's grandparents from the time those kids were born set it out that like every week in the summer, every month I want one week Mm. in the summer, like of having the the kid come stay with me. And so even that it's like, you have to balance it for your own family. So for sure, I think facilitating also means how does it fit into your nuclear family and your own plans and you know, what would work for you um, as a parent? Yeah, and I think creativity. When I'm looking, thinking back over um, our kids are close to both sets of their grandparents. Um, one living, one set living very close, and another set living um, same state, but plane right away. Okay. And there's just different creative ways. So I think about people who who have to travel. I remember there was one time that I believe my mom flew up to get one of our kids. Uh, or two and fly them back down. And then when they got older, they would fly down by themselves with the escort, you know, waiting on both sides and that sort of thing. I think of other families I know of where if your families are cross country or, um, you know, a few states away, you can also fly out with the kids and then you and spouse or you alone, whomever go and do something else for a week. It's It's your week away, but you still find a way to get them there. So it's, I just think, creativity and 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 these yeah. relationships are so important so important yeah i, I want to just sort of echo that because the relationships with grandparents are so rich there's so much that children can get out of you know that part of their family and just even i'm smiling even just hearing about you know right accompanying on a flight and then the kids learning, you know, how to be independent and mm-hmm. and to do it with a grandparent on the other side of whether it's the train or the um, airplane. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a cool yeah. part of growing up that I do think will stay with children as they get older. And, you know, we're lucky our, our children have wonderful relationships with their grandparents. And, um, you know, in particular, my parents, because we have twins, we needed them so desperately, especially yeah. in the very beginning. And um, they were the first grandkids, so they had more time. But they were in a relationship with our twins from day one. Mm-hmm. And that has grown so beautifully over the years. And um, so I just think, to end on this question, I, I, I'm doing it with a smile because I think, okay, the intention is there within this family to, you know, sort of get generations together, figure stuff out. And, um, with facilitating and creativity, you know, it's, it's a really special relationship that I think everyone will cherish. So make it happen. Yes. Make it happen. That's all I have for you today, Dr. Dan. Right, um, but I, we, I told you we were covering a lot. We covered of a lot of different, very different, different topics today. Yeah. So thank you for always rich. teaching me and our 
wonderful uh, subscriber listeners, and then on our regular show as well. Just yeah. I love these Dr. discussions. Dan's magic. Love these discussions <laughs> with you and Phil. And uh, for everyone listening, we are just like you. We are living in the trenches, trying to grow, trying to learn, and trying to do our best in this very unique world we live in. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening today. As you know, you can subscribe on the Wondery app to hear all of our bonus episodes and our podcast ad-free. Thank you for listening to our weekly show, Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. We drop a new show every Thursday. Please continue to follow us at Parent Footprint Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. You know our website, drdanpeters.com. Continue to please rate, review, and subscribe. Give us those five-star reviews, which you do so well. And remember to ask yourself the guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.